Hello everyone, welcome back to the Shadow Work Library. I'm Jessica Depotzi, and on today's episode, I interview one of my coaches, my cosmic coach, Richard Millette. I've known him for several years as my go-to astrologer, but this year I took a leap to do my level one and level two astrology certifications with him, so I'd be enabled to understand this ancient system for myself. Now, we get quite a bit into astrology, I'll go through what we talk about in a second, but a big question some of you may be thinking is, is astrology real? Well, basically, if I could just answer this right now, I don't know, but I do know that it's been studied for thousands of years all around the world in various ways, and that's meaningful to me. And throughout my experience with astrology, I've found it really prepares me for life in a very interesting way, in a way that very few other systems of self-development and self-growth processes have. So I hope you enjoy this show with Richard Millette and myself. He's such a grounded and cool person. He has like the kindness and the softness of a kindergarten teacher and also some deep, deep wisdom and insight. And he has a great voice. We on this show are going to discuss what astrology is and how you can use it practically as cosmic coaching what astrologers were predicting for 2020 and if they got it right, what the big lessons from 2020 were that we should bring with us into the new year and beyond, the big event that's happening today, today's December 21st, this hasn't happened since the 1600s, so it's pretty cool. It signifies a huge change for us, and I really think you're going to dig this information. We also discuss the gift and shadow states of what this event will set for the tone in terms of 2021. We talk about the major theme of 2021 as predicted by the world's astrologers and some major dates to know about that'll bring about bigger shifts in all of our lives. These energies will be, they'll peak three times in 2021. So those are some things you're gonna wanna know about if you're interested in this stuff. So if you're digging this episode, you can subscribe to Richard's newsletter where you'll also get a free gift to help you understand the 12 universal teachings of the stars that he's put together. And you can get that at richardmalletastrology.com. It's Richard spelled like Richard, and Millette is M-A-L-E-T-T-E. Enjoy the show. So I'm realizing that I'm going on 25 years of studying astrology. Hmm. It was 1996 when I really just, like you, just really, really uh, got super excited into it and just devoured everything that I could see. And uh, it's changed my life and has enriched my life in so many ways. And I really feel like I teach astrology classes now and it was such a thrill and a joy to be uh, with you this year uh, in these courses. And uh, I feel like I'm really always a cosmic student as well as a teacher, you know? And uh, so I, I teach astrology. I teach also French as a second language. Um, but astrology is my main passion, and um, I learned it in Vancouver in the west coast of Canada and just spent uh, a long time just on the ocean and just soaking it all up, you know, and, and remembering that I have done this before. I think many astrologers say that, that when they get into it, they realize, wow, this seems so familiar. So yeah, I'm in Sudbury, Ontario, and I, I, I do readings and consultations and workshops and courses uh, more and more now. As somebody who's taken every course that you could possibly offer, and now thankfully virtually since we're not neighbors anymore, I would highly suggest you, if 
you are tuned into this episode and you're really feeling what Richard is saying to go to his website. We'll give the information again at the end, but in case you leave us early, I just want to put it out here now. Would you mind giving us your, um, your URL? Yes, it's really easy. It's richardmalletastrology.com. And how do you spell your last name? <laughs> I, was think, I was thinking that because there's many variations on the name. So it's Richard Mallet, M-A-L-E-T-T-E. Okay, perfect. So I wanted to have Richard on today to talk a bit about some of the cosmic forecast of 2021. But before we got into that, something that I wanted to address was perhaps some stereotypes or misconceptions around what astrology even is. I'd always have a, had a bit of an interest in it, but really knew nothing beyond 12 zodiac signs and you know your basic sun sign. And so maybe we could start off with that right now. If you could tell us a little bit about what astrology exactly is and how you can utilize it throughout your life. What a great first question. You know, Jessica, we could talk about that all the hour <laughs> long, you know. <laughs> so really quickly, and uh, astrology is a study, right? It's a study of the interconnections between the planetary movements and cycles and life on Earth. That's the basic short kind of explanation of what it is. So it's an ongoing study of these relationships and these cycles. I'm sure many of you or all of you listening have heard this, uh, this expression, as above, so below, and as below, so above. There is this really beautiful and ancient and magical correspondence between the heavens and the earth. And that's what astrology really is trying to connect more and more. And so for somebody who may be interested in learning more about how astrology can actually be of benefit to their life beyond just being interested in uh, astronomy, which is fascinating in itself, how, how would your average person be able to utilize astrology as like oh. a cosmic coaching? Yes. Oh, did you say cosmic coaching? I did. <laughs> I love that. Yes, that's exactly so true. You know, there are so many applications, but uh, in terms of like individual usages and uh, and benefits, like there is no other tool that I've come across that is so as powerfully uh, rich as a tool for self-understanding really, really understanding who we are on so many levels, you know, because the planets actually like reflect different functions in our psyche right? So we can see all of these different parts of us because human beings are really complex and multidimensional. And uh, astrology birth chart, which looks at the, the sky, the solar system uh, at the moment of your birth, really casts this, this, uh, this amazing picture of who you are uh, on so many different levels. And that is extremely useful to really know who we are, what our strengths are, what our challenges are, what I like to say are our soul's homework, and our evolutionary past and future. It's so, so rich. What I'm hearing is that it is a way to find a bit of a baseline on what your personality and your inherent interests and what you're tuned into in the world and the themes that are happening. It can give you a baseline from your birth chart, or we can also call it a natal chart, that circle that you guys may have seen that has all the lines and planets around it. Uh, I like thinking of like that as a baseline so that 
because there's so much going on in the world, so many things to think about, so many directions to take, so many influences that aren't our own, it's a nice, it's a nice snapshot at who am I really by design? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's symbolic, right? It's all about symbols. And, and uh, there's so many ways of interpreting those symbols as well. And, and the thing is, astrology is not a pure science. There is a science part of it because we look at actually the measurements and the observations of the actual positions of the planets. But what does it mean right? Uh, That will be something that the astrologer will convey through their own personal uh, experiences and their values. And so it's a good idea to also get a taste for, you know, uh, having maybe a few readings and just connect with the astrologer energetically and to to really uh, have the best experience possible. And that's going to happen naturally. We will be drawn to the right people that will help us to really um, connect that that magic, that baseline, you know, uh, in a really authentic way. One of the things that I love about the way that you do astrology and the way that you teach and do readings is that you're not as doom and gloom and as structured as a lot of astrologers that I've experienced or or read blogs from or read books about. You know, it's like, oh, you have a Scorpio in this position, which means you're an asshole, <laughs> right? Like, how is that helpful? <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I really appreciate that you definitely, you don't pull punches. You know, you're not skirting around potential shadow states, but you definitely focus quite a bit on the transformational process of, okay, but also these are all the beautiful things that can come from that shadow, which is what I love to talk about too. Yes, thank you, Jessica. It's so true because... Uh, and I'm glad you, I really have come over the years to really have a really complex and kind of like a more, I don't pull punches. That's true. When I began, I, I saw the gifts only and didn't really go into the shadow. And then I've been diving deeper into the shadow aspects. It's really, really important. But ultimately the goal of astrology is to help people understand themselves. And we want to encourage people to really see their best version of themselves, right? We want to create opportunity. We want to create faith and, and empowerment and that's uh, and happiness. That's the ultimate goal as I feel for a positive experience with astrology. I'm so glad you brought that up because something that I've been considering as I'm introducing some of these more esoteric technologies onto the show is just contemplating the question that I'm sure many people listening are asking, is it real? And I've come to this idea that that is a a question to ask, but more helpful in, in our human experience, is it meaningful to me? So paying a certain amount of money and getting an astrology reading from somebody who's really knowledgeable about this and has the wisdom to be able to communicate in a way that's not traumatizing, um, it, that's that being a skill in itself, uh, but really listening to the things that become most alive for you in that message and not considering, is that true? Is that right? But does that mean something to me? And what am I going to do with that? Yes, totally. It ultimately comes down to a personal experience, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and yeah, bringing meaning to our lives that that is so valuable and, and finding purpose and realizing, wow, this is really who I am. One of the beautiful things about astrology in my experience, in my work with clients, I, I tend to attract people who are also kind of like 
new on the spiritual path or have been on the spiritual path for, for a while. And uh, I find that most people, you know, have a kind of a, a conversation with their soul on some level already. And uh, one of the gifts of the reading is it helps people to really validate and confirm what they feel inside, but haven't been able to like find an outlet or someone to understand them the way that astrology does. And that's beautiful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. So let's talk about the elephant of the year, 2020, <laughs> before we get into 2021. Because before we got into recording this, you were mentioning that the cosmos don't necessarily see the years change as we do on the calendar. But there are some significant meanings to seasons changing and whatnot. What were astrologers predicting for 2020 before it happened? What were you looking at? We had known for quite a long time that something big was going to shake the world in 2020, but we did not know exactly how it was going to happen. So, you know, nothing is really that kind of clear. We knew something very intense, very, very transformative, very difficult and painful, unfortunately, was going to rattle the systems and the structures uh, you know, Saturn and Pluto came together in January and that set the tone for the whole year. And that's actually, uh, you know, it happens only 38 years or so, but in the sign of a Capricorn specifically, way more rare. We're talking centuries that the last time Saturn and Pluto came together in the sign of Capricorn. So there was this really, really strong energy on the shadow side, if you will, of Capricorn. And Capricorn is an earthy sign. So the whole year 2020 had this really, really earthy, physical, dense, material quality to it. And Pluto brought us down to the depths of that, you know. And so disease is one of the ways that Pluto can manifest itself and illness and, and viruses and that sort of thing. So, you know, Saturn and Pluto in history have come together and have been correlated with world wars and you know 9-11 and so we knew something big and huge was going to change the world but uh then in early january we started to saw to see how that was going to play out with the virus okay is that phase done now the saturn pluto <laughs> yes is done is finished yes <laughs> okay Okay. Um, and so what are some of the lessons that we can take from this 2020 experience now that those planets are finally dispersing? This is such an important conversation to have because I think everybody in their own way is having this sort of conversation either with themselves or with close friends, right, who they can trust and have a deep and honest conversation with. What can we take away from 2020? And so I'm looking again at the sign of Capricorn and uh, honoring the best teachings we can, uh, we can get from, from Capricorn. And I think the lockdown and the forced introspection uh, of Capricorn and Pluto and Saturn, because Blue, Capricorn is also the sign of solitude, mm -hmm. right? In one of the, the ancient and early things I ever heard 25 years ago by Capricorn from my first teacher was Capricorn is the lone leaper in high places. Such a beautiful mm -hmm. and poetic and powerful image to see the mountain, right? The half, uh, the, 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 the mystical uh, mountain goat fish and uh, in this place of contemplation in solitude. And that was really what we needed to do in 2020 was to really go inside 
and connect with the the inner landscapes of our soul and really discover rediscover our inner authority that i think is one of the biggest takeaways of 2020 because capricorn connects to authority as well it's the captain of the ship it's the ambassador and the authority figure of the zodiac right so we have been, uh, you know, uh, had the opportunity to really review what authority we hold individually because we all do. A lot of power and control issues came up in the world in the shadow aspects of power and authority and control. And that's still kind of playing out as we go into 2020. But what can we as individuals reconnect with our own sense of authentic power and responsibility and integrity and authority, I think is the huge takeaway for 2020. Wow, that's beautiful. There's a lot of pressure around feeling into your sense of autonomy and authority and making your own decisions and feeling committed to making those decisions. How have you personally experienced this this lesson? I was going to ask you that too. (laughs) (laughs) It's my show. (laughs) I ask you No, I'll answer right. that for you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, it, you know, one of the things early on in the year, I kept on hearing myself say, step up, step up to the highest power that I can, I can do, step up to the best, most empowered and authentic version of myself. And so, like I said, maybe at the early, you know, part of the show was I hadn't had a website for the longest time. Uh, and I'm like this year, earlier in the year, I'm like, I really, really need that to be the best astrologer I can be. I need a website. It's just such a useful tool. So uh, in the summer, I made that happen. I collaborated with a good friend and we created a website together and a new logo. I rebranded myself. This is a whole new name for myself. I used to be called Insight Astrology, but I'm reclaiming my name. I'm really working with my name more and more, which is who I am in a very personal level and expanding that and not being afraid of shining my own light more and more because I'm a Taurus with the moon in Cancer and Capricorn rising. So, you know, I have a strong Neptune as well. I've tended to be more of a shy person for a long time, but this Pluto energy uh, the last year has really inspired me to, to be more confident in who I authentically am, for oh, example. Yeah, that's great. I love getting examples in astrology because we can talk about alignments and what it feels like and what it could be all day, but really hearing the personal experiences of what about what that transformation really looks like for people, I think is is pretty helpful. For myself, well, let me back up. So uh, where was this Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter infamous trio in your chart? Which house was that in? Oh, yeah, great question, right? And so to add to that, you're right, it wasn't just Saturn and Pluto, but Jupiter also entered the picture. And those three, the trio of Jupiter and Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn, traveling together in the sky pretty much all year long, that again is really, really rare that those three all travel together. And so for me personally, all that Uh, intense energy was right on my ascendant in my first house which is the myself expressing myself out there in the world through my persona and through my personality so it was really really a powerful impact on me personally great so the trio was in my third house which is the house of communication and teaching 
among other things. But for me, that's where I really felt the urgency and the transformation this year was in communication and finding my voice because I've always been more of a behind the scenes person, more of a technology person. And while I loved doing that for a period of time, there was always something Mm -hmm. in me that was urging me to share what I learned. And there was this concern. I don't know if it was the Pluto element of all of this, but a lot of fear around me not having it all figured out. It is ridiculous for me to think that I have it all figured out and to have to wait until that point when, okay, you've done it. Life is perfect. But thinking okay, there might be certain things that I know that could be helpful for certain people and just being okay with with knowing a certain amount of information, living a certain amount of life and for that to be okay um, at that moment. So just starting this podcast for me was a big thing for, for this year and starting a couple of other courses was great. Uh, but also knowing that that trio, Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter, being in that house of mine was incredibly empowering too, because I knew that I had this sense of urgency, but it could have been around lots of things. There's a lots of, lot of elements of life. <laughs> and just knowing that that's where that placement was gave me the ability to laser focus on that theme for the year. And so that's what I hope for anybody who's called to this kind of work that wants to dive in a little bit more is that while we all experience a, a general, like the cosmic currents, the energy that's happening all around us as a collective, which we'll talk about for 2021, what that's going to look like for all of us, we can get very specific on what certain things are showing up for us this year based on where um, where your houses are and all of that. But that would be difficult to talk about in the show. So we're just going to talk about generally what the forecast is going to be for 2021. You ready to dive in? Yes. And by the way, great answer, Jessica. Thank you very much. You're very eloquent. Thank you for the validation. Sometimes, sometimes I got going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, why don't I'll hand the mic over to you here. What are you seeing for us for 2021? 2021. You know, as I said earlier, the, uh, in this case, really uh, 2021 really begins in right now, this week, we're right now, as we're recording this, it's December 15th. And in a few days, Jupiter was going to conjunct Saturn in a whole new sign of Aquarius, exactly on the winter solstice. Uh, This is huge. This is incredibly uh, powerful and important for so many reasons. So whenever Jupiter and Saturn come together, that only happens every 20 years. It's called a grand conjunction. And it kind of sets the tone for all the whole society's evolution for 20 years, right? And so there's the shift from 2020 to 2021 in a simple kind of sentence is a shift from Capricorn which was so, so strong to Aquarius, which is really getting stronger and stronger in 2021. And one of the changes in that shift is the shift from the earth element of Capricorn to the air element of Aquarius. And so, you know, one simple observation is that there's going to be less density in the overall atmosphere of 2021 less of that earthy heaviness that I mentioned earlier and more into the air element, which is lighter, and less dense and more into the mental realms. So that's one of the shifts that we're going to experience really, really, really soon. And is gonna set the tone for 2021. 
And uh, so we're going to talk a lot about Aquarius. That's a huge, huge uh, first step. And the thing that's really, really fascinating too about that winter solstice uh, next, or just in a few days, uh, is that that's happening at zero degrees of Capricorn. Every year, the winter solstice is the first degree of Capricorn, the sun's entrance into Capricorn. That same day, Jupiter and Saturn are going to go to zero degrees of Aquarius. So there's zero degrees coming up many, many times as we end 2020 and embark upon 2021. And zero degrees is the brand new beginning of a whole new cycle in so many ways. So we're really, really entering new territory in 2021 in so many ways. And with Aquarius especially, it's thinking in new ways. We're going to have all kinds of like new ideas and technological advancements. That's going to be a huge part of 2021, which is going to affect uh, every field of activity in human, you know, in, in our lives. Just think about right now, we're communicating via technology and how much that already in 2020 changed the world. 2021 is going to expand that in so many ways. What are some of the more shadow elements that you can see with this new Aquarius transition? Ah, <laughs> great question. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, it's true that that is going to be shifting into, into the air element, which is the mind. And so first we'll share the gift and then we'll share the shadow. I think the gift of, uh, of Aquarius uh, is it has a very cool mind. There's a coolness about, about Aquarius. What's really interesting is that Aquarius um, in the ancient system of, of, uh, of astrology was ruled by Saturn. So Saturn ruled Capricorn and it ruled Aquarius until we discovered Uranus in the late 18th century. So Aquarius still has a serious cool tone about it coming from the connection to Saturn. And I think that will be a, a actually a good thing in the beginning part because there's been there's a lot of this heat uh, in, in our minds and our thinking and the, the anger in the collective atmosphere. So the Aquarius and the mind is going to, I think, shift things to cool, them, cool down the energy, which I think is going to be a good thing. The shadow side of that is I think that uh, it'll be, uh, we have to be careful not to be stuck in our mind and just become robots, you know, just so into the technology and then only into that, that kind of like coldness of that so, so much where we disconnect from our humanity and from our heart. So I think I'm going to throw that out there, really, really important to really maintain our heart connection in our humanity as we evolve in 2021. But do you have any specific dates off the top of your head that it may have more intense energies or where we can expect certain shifts to happen? Yes, actually. So let's talk about Uranus and, and Saturn. And uh, I do want to mention Neptune as well in, uh, after this, but some dates. And so I, we asked, uh, we talked about the, the major theme of 2021 before we started recording. And the major theme of 2021 is a square aspect between uh, Saturn and uh, Uranus. And so you know, Saturn is entering, uh, you know, Aquarius next week, right? And then in uh, early February, 
I actually have the date for you uh, somewhere here. Yeah, February 18th will be the first time that Saturn will form a square, a 90 degree angle to Uranus, which, will, which is in Taurus. And so that is going to be in mid-February. And we're going to feel, especially all February along this first kind of energy here between Saturn and Uranus, which we can develop in a moment. And then that's going to happen again this, uh, three times. So once in February, February 18th, and then the second time in uh, June, June 14th, and the third and final time on Christmas Eve, 2021, December 24th. And what's the relevance of these uh, angles or these aspects happening three times? Oh, good question. Because sometimes these geometrical alignments happen only once, uh, or more often they happen three times, even five times. I'm sure most of you listening have heard of the word retrograde before. Mercury retrograde, for example, is becoming more and more heard and talked about and understood. Uh, so all the planets, except for the sun and the moon, have this, this movement, which from our perspective can seem to be going backwards in space. It's not really, really happening, uh, but optical illusions due to the various speeds at which they're going and that, that sort of thing. And so because of that, they can sometimes come back into alignment more than once. Does that answer your question? Yes. And so if we were to maybe <clears throat> make more sense as you get into what Saturn squaring Uranus really means for us, but what would be the strategy for dealing with it the first time versus the second time versus the third time? I'd heard you talk about this being like doses of medicine, more or less. Mm, yeah, doses of medicine. <clears throat> the first time is really the, uh, the most uh, powerful uh, time. So February is going to be the first really big dose of this medicine. <laughs> I like that, that metaphor that you're bringing up again. Uh, so we feel it the strongest. It's new. It's like, what is going on, you know? And uh, then the second time in, in June is like, okay, yeah, this feels familiar. And uh, we can learn to like work with it more or understand it better. And uh, the third one, it's really the integration piece. Okay, this is the lesson here. And uh, then we'll move forward with that integration. So the whole year of 2021 will be about learning to integrate Saturn and Aquarius with Uranus and Taurus. Let's dive into what Saturn's <clears throat> Uranus and Taurus means then for us. Yeah, let's break it down first. So Saturn and Aquarius. And so Saturn is the ongoing, you know, mission that we have, right? The responsibility and the integrity to work with. And that is in Aquarius. So it's really about, you know, learning about Aquarian energy and to really become uh, getting at the best qualities of Aquarius. You know, we, we spoke about the shadow side already about the, the kind of the, the, the cool mind and so, so cool that it's disconnected from the heart, right? But the gifts of Aquarius is really forward thinking. It's really about um, expressing our true individuality. Aquarius is a fascinating sign because on the one hand, it really is about celebration of our uniqueness. Everyone is unique. Every, no one is the same. And Aquarius really shines that truth in this zodiac. Like, really be yourself, you know? No matter what society wants us to be or our parents or our conditioning, Aquarius is really helping us to break through that 
to really express ourselves, especially intellectually and with our mind and with our ideas. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's one side of the equation. And so there's going to be lots of, like I mentioned, uh, technological advancements and innovations of all kinds. And an increased use of technology, for example. <clears throat> and then we have Uranus in Taurus, which is really interesting because Uranus is the new ruler of Aquarius, right? And so it's about really breaking through even more to like new levels of, of, uh, of who we are, <clears throat> excuse me, but really applied in a Taurus way. And Taurus is the body. Taurus is the earth. Taurus is nature. And so one of the dynamics and the challenges of 2021 will be to integrate Aquarius, which is so mind, and with Taurus, which is so physical, right? And so there's that. It's not easy at first to integrate those two things. And some people are going to really want to go into the Aquarius way and really dive into the technology and like spend a lot more time on on technology and computers and tablets and phones and, and what it can do. There's so many platforms to play with now, right? And some people, a lot of people are going to want to stay in the simple, stay into the natural realms more and more and feel that resistance to the new technology. <clears throat> so that's going to be one, I think, of the tensions of 2021. And would you touch on Uranus a bit? Yeah, so Uranus, right, planet of change, planet of revolution, planet of, uh, you know, of creativity. And one of the most eloquent um, meanings or interpretations of Uranus I came across was the creative power of the universal mind. I love that. Right. It was discovered in the late 18th century at the time of the American and French revolutions. So there is this revolutionary spirit with Uranus of really wanting to, to shake things up. And, you know, uh, let's talk now about, about where Uranus is in space relative to Saturn. Okay. So Saturn and Uranus, uh, and uh, this is actually is very interesting and helpful, I think. So Saturn for the longest time in human history was the edge and the limit of our solar system. That was it. There was nothing beyond Saturn. And then in 1781, we discovered Uranus, 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 you know, it it rocked the world. It was a huge revolution. And many, many people did not want this whole idea of a new planet. It shook everything. It challenged the whole foundations of reality for a long time. And so, you know, what Uranus does, it, it helps us to shift away from this confining energy, this restricting and limiting energy of, of Saturn, which can be so serious. And, you know, Saturn connects to the patriarchy and that, that sort of thing. So Uranus is, is thinking outside the box, is breaking away from the parts of us that are too rigid, too serious, too confined to 3D reality. So if we merge these two energies now of, of Saturn, which is about your mission, it has that serious, seriousness about it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's also the sense of routine and, and creating structure. Yes. With Uranus, which is all about shaking things up, 
lightning bolts of all kinds of stuff, uh, ground groundbreaking discoveries or breakthroughs or perhaps even um, tragedies. How do those two fit together? It, uh, that's the, uh, one of the astrologers I listened to last night was talking about tension for 2021, evolving through tension because Saturn does have that effect of, uh, of, uh, of trying to like hold on to stability and structure and routine. And Uranus is like the opposite. It wants to rattle and shake and innovate and change. And so I think one of the ways of looking at 2021 is this interplay between um, experimentation, Uranus, trying something new, going into some new territory, and then taking a step back and then reflecting and reviewing and revising what we've integrated and then going back into experimentation again and back and forth like that. I think that's one of my, my best ways of describing the energy of 2021. Two steps forward, one step back. Mm, okay. So if I were to bring this all together, we have Saturn and Aquarius squaring, meaning making a 90 degree angle to Uranus and Taurus. And they're making, they're going to feel the most powerful in February 18th, June 14th, December 24th. And we should more or less be learning those lessons a little bit easier as the years go on, or as the year go, goes on. Is that right? Yes, you got it. Yep. Okay, great. If you were to just put together a, a what if, how could you see in some hypothetical situation this playing out for somebody or for the collective? I'll give you an example. One of the, the topics that came up in the, uh, the astrology, uh, you know, um, event of last night was uh, education, homeschooling, for example. Let's, let's bring it down into the, a real situation that, that is a real thing for a lot of people, especially parents with kids. Uh, education, schooling, like what are we, you know, this has actually been a very, very difficult situation for a lot of people. And, um, but for those of us, because uh, I, I homeschooled my daughter uh, for, for a little while. And so we've had alternative views on education for a while now. And I think this whole idea of homeschooling, unschooling, and just having a brand new idea on what education is, and the structure and the system of education as it has been for a long time, it was too rigid for a long time. So this year Uranus is, is really breaking up the system there so we can, it'll allow for new forms and new relationships and new understandings of what education really is with technology and with more with community. And I forgot to mention the other side of Aquarius. I mentioned the, the idea of the individual expression the individual freedom, right? To think in new ways. The other idea of Aquarius is this um, con connection with community, that together, we are in this together in this big blue spaceship traveling through space, together in unity. That's the other beautiful quality of Aquarius. And so uh, in, but getting back to education, it's like realizing who in our community are the teachers we can consult beyond the school teachers who work so hard. I have so much admiration for school teachers, right? But I think we're really needing to um, rethink what education really is and bringing in everybody in the community who's got something to teach and allowing that to happen more organically. 
I think that would be so great for so many people because as you know, teachers have not had it easy over the last, I don't know how long. It's been a a martyr type of career to be in and to have so much responsibility over the education and the development of, of children and young adults. I can see that taking some more autonomy around how you can educate inside the home would be really helpful for them too. Oh yeah. I mean, I was a school teacher myself for a brief while and that's why I say I have so much uh, admiration for them. It's a really big, big responsibility and, but it shouldn't be only on them. Education. uh, We've all heard the term before. It takes a whole community to raise a child. And yet there was this this really limited thinking about education for a long time. So I think we're going to have really, really interesting discussions about what that is more and more. Can I share one thing about that? Yes, please. One of the books that I was just thinking about this last night, one of the books that really changed my world because I, in my short stint of school teaching, which didn't work out, <laughs> it did not work out. And I remember wandering the streets of Ottawa and uh, one day and I came across this book uh, in a bookstore and I just saw it through, through the window and it was called The Teenager's Liberation Handbook, How to Get a Real Education in a Real Life. I, that book was all about unschooling and it rocked my world. It was a revolution in my life of understanding the world and education and what life is. This was even before I discovered astrology. But you know what, though? In the very first page of the introduction, the author said, education ultimately is about our connection to the universe. And the greater that connection, the bigger our life and dreams. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that feels very real. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's going to happen more and more. We're really exploding what that what that was. And so that was 2020. 2020 was really about the, the explosion, the destruction of old systems and old structures that no longer serve us. So education is a big one. Health is a big one. Government is a big one. Uh, you know, police forces, et cetera. All of these systems are really kind of like breaking down in some ways so that we can bring some new thinking about these systems moving forward. So 2021 is really just the beginning of this new phase of life, this uh, almost this new era or this new age. I'm so glad we're on this topic. It has me thinking about why all of this happened. And now that so many people are working from home, and just the vibes of working from home are out there, even for people that still do have to go into a physical location to work. But this idea that to have somebody sitting at home at their kitchen table working for nine hours a day, is that the most effective use of a human's time and the way for them to spend their lives? And I think that as people become privy to the the benefits of working from home, it's that you don't necessarily need to keep yourself busy. You start to learn efficiencies because you don't want to just sit there running out the clock like you might at an office where you have you know, managers watching over you and all of this. And the pace is just a little bit different than when you're at home where you're looking at all of your, your chores and, and all of this. And I think that what is I'm hoping happening for us in 2021 is that larger organizations and business owners, they can start to become more collaborative and embrace that sense of humanity and not expecting their employees to work these, what I think are ridiculous amounts of hours in a day. You know, just the, their structures need to shift because they're, 
hearing the the distress from their employees. And sure, we've been hearing that distress for ever. I think humans have been overworking themselves for a long time. And it may just be my millennial mindset sort of being brought into this at this time. Uh, But I'm hoping that with a little bit of less work time required from employers, because they realize that people can be more efficient, they can do the same amount of things in a shorter amount of time if they have the right conditions, that homeschooling and spending more time with your family can work better. Because that's the biggest issue with this homeschooling thing is parents just don't have the time or the pace or the space to make it happen. And so there's this frantic energy around the thought of keeping your kids home all day while you still have to put in a nine hour work day. So true. I'm so glad we're talking about this because yes, work is the other huge uh, factor of life that's going to be uh, evolving and changing. And, 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 you know, yeah. Why do we have to work nine hours a day every day? We don't have to, right? (laughs) Who said we have to do that? This is an old control mechanism uh, that has been with us for a long, long, long time. And so the beauty of Aquarius, again, is thinking outside the box, reinventing the nature of work and who we were working for and why, right? Mm-hmm. Aquarius is really helping us to really tune into who we are authentically and shine that light. Because when we, we uh, there's a difference between a job that we just do to just because it's a job, right? As opposed to a vocation or a career or a service that we want to offer because it's really authentic inside of us and we want to share this with the world with from love, from wanting to help and benefit the world. We're going down that way more and more. That's great. Yeah, we're already seeing people reaching out to their neighbors for support and their community for support in ways that suburbia just had us forget about for a while. And I'm, I keep coming back to this word collaborations. One of the problems with working for yourself or being very siloed in who you are, not asking for help or, yeah, I guess working in a community sense is that you have to do everything on your own. And you have to do all of your own marketing. You have to do all of your own networking. You have to do all of your own accounting, own, own, own. And that creates a lot of aloneness in this. And we've come to a point where we've spent enough time alone to find that community is something that we're all craving at this moment beyond just having a good time and having a couple glasses of wine. It could be reaching out to the neighborhood kids on your street that you've never really embraced or brought into your home to give the parents a whole day off on their own and like, you know, switching spots. I can see this being a really beautiful shift, but also very uncomfortable because when you merge your aloneness with somebody else's aloneness and they have all their own structures and the way that they've used, been used to doing things and all of the ways you've been used to doing things, I would imagine we're going to need to learn how to become more flexible. Like you were saying, allow a little bit of your honest in your life, but don't but still have that sense of self-respect where you're not letting all of your boundaries and all of the things that felt comfortable for you fly out the window all at once. Uh, I really liked your strategy of experimenting and reflecting and nurturing and then experimenting again and tweaking throughout the year so that these, these power hits these three times in 2021 won't be as jarring. Cause I think you can intentionally facilitate a bit of this before it gives you the cosmic bitch slap. Mm-hmm. Yes. Great. Excellent. 
uh, reflection there, Jessica. So true. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and uh, I'm glad we're, this is such an important conversation because, you know, we want to evolve, right? And we want to make things better. A lot of the way the world functioned for the long, longest time didn't make no sense and it was not sustainable. It's time for fresh thinking, right? Outside the box and reinventing the way we can live on planet Earth. When we come together more and more in creative collaboration, Collaboration. This is going to happen more and more because it's really necessary to. So is this aspect similar to the Pluto, Jupiter, Saturn aspect in that it'll appear in a, in one of your houses so you can get more clear on where the, some of these shakeups and tune-ups are going to happen? Hmm. That's a great question. It's going to be different and, and uh, uh, a little bit harder to track because there's two parts you have to look at the, the Aquarius part of your chart and the Taurus part of your chart. Uh, whereas 2021, the, uh, all those three planets were conjunct, meaning they were aligned mm-hmm. in similar degrees of the same sign of, of Capricorn. So 2020, 2020 was really heavy into the sign of Capricorn in your chart, especially between like, you know, uh, 18 and 25 degrees of Capricorn. That was a highly charged area of your chart in 2020. 2021. So we're looking at, uh, you know, the early degrees of Taurus where Uranus is. So like seven, eight, nine degrees of, um, of Taurus. Mm-hmm. And then that same degree, uh, you know, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, 10 degrees of, of Aquarius. So where those two fall in your chart are going to be active in uh, 2021. Okay. So I'll use my chart as an example, and maybe you can help walk us through this. The early, and by the way, if you want to find out your natal chart and do this work on your own, you can go to, what would you say, astro.com? Get a free? Yep. That's a good place to go to, astro.com. Yeah. Okay. So you can get this PDF. It's totally free. And what you would do is look for where you said the first few degrees of Aquarius, which are the little squiggly lines that look like uh, ocean waves are, (laughs) and the earlier part of... Taurus and Taurus looks like a bull. It has a circle with horns on its head. (laughs) And so for me, my Aquarius early, uh, early degrees are in the third house again, and the sixth house for Uranus or Taurus. So that's correct. Yeah. How would you translate that for me? I'm going to make this about me for a sec, if you don't mind. <laughs> I just pulled up your chart, so uh, and so I, I can't. So I needed to see that for me as I'm a very visual person. So, yeah. So the third house activation from Capricorn is continuing for you in Aquarius, and so there's just the same house of uh, third house education, communication, finding your voice again, as you said. But with Aquarius, is like new ways of expressing your voice on new platforms with a with a, instead of the, the focus on responsibility and empowerment the capricorn with innovation and with even more authenticity and a reflection of your own your own unique voice and thought process is aquarius oh i love that so as i'm transitioning out of uh out of capricorn into aquarius I like that progression. It makes sense for me as I'm, as I'm building more of the structures and having some more of the achievement 
with my voice following a few patterns from teachers before me you know I'm just trying to climb up the mountain with my guide I'm not trying to like let my freak flag fly yet <laughs> well, once I get to the top then I can put my tie-dye shirt on more or less and <laughs> yeah okay right <clears throat> and then Uranus in your sixth house in Taurus and so your sixth house is becoming more activated this year mm-hmm. and that's the house of work and service and health They're all interconnected there in the sixth house. And so when you combine those two themes, the third house of communication and education with the sixth house of service and work, finding and expressing your voice to to really reflect a healing service out there in the world. How does that feel? Really good. I'm glad you said that because that's what I, I would really like that for myself this next year. Thank you. You're welcome. Would you mind sharing with us just one more example of going through your chart for a different a different view on this? Wow, yes. It's so funny that you asked that because I haven't actually looked at, at that for me uh, that much. But again, the first house for me is so, so strong that Aquarius is still in my first house. And so it's a continuation for me as well of like refining my authentic individuality and personality and expressing more of my freak flag, more obviously and more, <laughs> more out there, you know. The first house is the interface between our inner world and the outer world, right? That operating system. And so, yeah, I'm going to be interacting with the world uh, in a lot more ways and new ways. For example, this is my first podcast I've ever done, you know? So it's a brand new thing for me. So thank you again for this opportunity. Oh, of course. And you sound very buttery. You have a great voice for this. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, speaking of voice, you know, my, that Uranus uh, of the, the revolution and the innovation is happening in my third house. So that's similar to you. Instead of the, uh, the Saturn uh, there, it's Uranus for me. And so, uh, yeah, so it, but similar, using my voice in new ways. Uh, so that's another big theme for me. Oh, that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dive on that some more. Thank you for inspiring me. I tend to think about my clients and my students a lot more than I do myself. <laughs> oh, that's nice of you. Could you then, because our examples were a bit similar, choose a couple of other houses that have different themes to them? Hmm. Um, okay. Let's say, for example, the, maybe... Um, the 10th house and the 7th house. Let's say you had some energies, uh, Uranus or Saturn in the 10th house of career of like the 10th house is the highest part of your birth chart. It's the most visible area. It's the, where the sun and the planets shine the brightest in the sky in their arc, right? And so career and your public vocation, your status, so that that could have a change this year if you've got something like Uranus or Saturn in your 10th house. And let's say the other one was in your seventh house, for example, uh, that's the house of relationships, interpersonal relationships. And so the, the people that you relate with and relate to really closely, like, you know, it could be your intimate partner or your, your, your collaborators, your colleagues, your close friends, right? Those are all seventh house. So those are going to impact your career and the way that you impact 
society through the way that you relate with people interpersonally. That's another example. That's great. Something that came up for me as you were speaking about this specifically around relationships and having any Uranian energy around relationships, I'm kind of like, oh, that sounds scary to me because to know that there's a potential shakeup that's going to happen in your relationships is such a, an emotional thing to deal with. Do you have any suggestions on how one might embrace or just navigate gracefully Uranian shakeups around your relationships? Yes, yes, that's true. In your case, Uranus is going to get there. It's going to get in the seventh house this year of 2021. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, that that's, uh, by the way, a little brief uh, astrology teaching here. There's four critical angles in your birth chart, you know, where the sun rises, where the sun sets, the highest peak of its cycle at midday and also at midnight, that, that lowest point. And so any planet that comes across one of these four angles is going to really stimulate the whole chart, the whole system. And so this year, 2021 for you, Jessica, is going to have a strong Uranus, you know, energy here as it shakes on that one of those angles, specifically the, the angle of relationships. And so you're going to be meeting new people. That's one of the things to, uh, to kind of look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always with Uranus, there's new energy coming in. And the cool thing about Uranus is that it's always unpredictable. You never know when or how, <laughs> but it's going to happen. <clears throat> and so to really enjoy this new, exciting kind of energy of people who are going to rock your boat. So also expect that the boat uh, of your life is going to be rocking by these new waves of the people coming into your boat. Oh, I love how you say that. It feels very optimistic instead of, yeah, I could see reframing that to feel (laughs) freaky. I really like that. Okay, great. Because things always happen for a reason, right? Mm. The universe does not want to upset us for no reason. There's always a reason. There's always a growth uh, that reflects every, everything that happens in astrology. Definitely a great reminder. So are there any other aspects that are happening this year that you'd like to talk about, or we can save it for another time if you like? Oh, there's still a couple more things I would like to say. Yeah. Oh, let's do it. Uh, Okay. So, uh, well, (laughs) first of all, uh, you know, one thing about Mercury retrogrades this year in 2021, uh, they're all going to happen in air signs. Mercury is going to be retrograde in Aquarius, um, and then it's going to retrograde in Uh, Gemini, and then we're going to retrograde in Libra. And so there is this theme of air that's coming in more and more. Aquarius, strong with Jupiter and Saturn, and with all these Mercury retrogrades in air signs, and the north node of the moon, because let's let's go there. One of the big kind of uh, symbols uh, of astrology is the well, these, these, uh, these symbols called the south node of the moon and the north node of the moon. And for people who are new to astrology, they're, they're like, what? What the hell is that? And they're, they're, they're not planets, but they're points in space, really, really important points in space. And uh, we can go into the, the technical aspects of it, but not so important. But I find them really, really valuable because they, they give us insight into our collective and individual past 
the south node of the moon, and our evolutionary future, the north node of the moon. And all 2021, the south node will be in Sagittarius, and the north node will be in Gemini. So where we're coming from recently in our collective past is Sagittarius. And so what we're learning to let go of is the shadow side of Sagittarius. Get, getting back into the shadow for a second here. And the shadow side of Sagittarius is too much rigid thinking, too much like I have the truth and you guys don't, right? And fanatical truth and like these, these rigid belief systems. And so we've learned enough from that to evolve, especially in 2021. We are looking towards Gemini more and more and more. It points the way forward and gemini is an air sign so it's again it's thinking but gemini is the beginner's mind gemini is the first of the air signs and so it's really like a student again of really being totally open-minded to learning anything and everything and really cultivating uh, an attitude of fascination and wonder with life and with people so I think that is a really, really core piece of 2021 as well that I didn't want to forget about. Are we supposed to bring in the gifts of Sagittarius or is it leave Sagittarius in its hole behind? Well, you know, Sagittarius is always with us, right? And so, uh, and it, we always need to cultivate the good sides of Sagittarius too, uh, because, you know, this only is one factor in astrology, but uh, people who are Sagittarius are wondering, hey, what about the good side of Sagittarius for sure? Oh my gosh, you're reading uh, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so the good side of Sagittarius is, you know, is, is, um, is, uh, is uh, enthusiasm. There's no sign that is more enthusiastic about life than Sagittarius. And uh, the good side of Sagittarius, like it's the arrow, right? It's the cosmic archer. Uh, holding and releasing this this arrow to fly into new territory. So it's always embracing the idea that we're on a journey, we're on an adventure. And I think that is a great kind of um, space to be in, is like the adventure again, to, to keep that alive and fresh and enjoying the journey of life. Mm, okay. And as we experience more of this Gemini North Node collectively, what are some of the shadow states of Gemini? Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, I, I, like all the air signs have the shadow side of being stuck in their head and disconnected from the heart. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the, uh, the shadow sides of Gemini as well. And uh, the other shadow side of Gemini, it's a very, very fast thinking sign. It's ruled by Mercury. And so Mercury is the fastest moving planet. And so Gemini thinks really 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 fast it's like if you see a gemini really drinking a lot of coffee you see their eyes moving around like really really fast <laughs> so they could be a bit scatterbrained a little bit distracted and like not able to focus on one thing long enough that's the shadow side of gemini does this also have some more intense impact dates like the other aspects you were speaking about i didn't look at that closely yet for 2021 um, but uh, it's always going to be important to maintain this open mind because that's the quality of Gemini is cultivating this beautiful open mind, like a multifaceted diamond, seeing reality from multiple points of view. And I love that for, for Gemini. 
if I may, I can say one more thing about that I haven't mentioned yet is that uh, in January, actually, of 2021, uh, Neptune will form an exact square to the South Node and to the North Node. Can we explore that for a second? Yes. Could you say, repeat that? In January 2021, Neptune is going to be what making what aspect? Exactly square to the South Node and North Node. Hmm. So this has actually been close now for a while. It's, I think, one of the most important aspects in astrology, like right now, in the latter part of 2020 and the early part of 2021. You know, Neptune wants to be a part of the conversation in our evolutionary path forward, right? Mm -hmm. And so what is Neptune about? In Pisces, by the way, which is the sign that Neptune rules. So Neptune in Pisces is about, at its best, a spiritual renaissance. Spiritual, uh, uh, sorry, Neptune and Pisces at its worst is confusion and disillusionment and illusion and escapism. And we're seeing both polarities of that spectrum, right? A lot of people are just wanting to check out and just numb themselves out. And that's not the high road of Neptune. So this is the, the invitation that Neptune is inviting us to really see reality. When we get a little overwhelmed from our mind, come back into the heart. Pisces and Neptune is about, you know, uh, compassion, having compassion for the human experience, having compassion for everybody who is on the planet right now is going through a hard time on some level, right? We need more compassion uh, as a medicine to fuel our growth, especially this year at this time. And uh, for those of you who are really open to embracing the spiritual aspect of life, because I really think that's, that's really, really important. And, uh, but you know, I don't want to impose that belief on anybody. Uh, but there's this idea that there's a reality bigger here that's going on. We are part of a cosmic energy more and more and more. You know, Aquarius is this opening into space, into like beyond the earth plane, right? And so it's realizing that we are cosmic citizens and, uh, you know, uh, with this, this compassion more and more and an imagination to help us think outside the box, to re-envision the world, the best world we can, I think is really, really important to allow ourselves the freedom to re-imagine the world. Really, really important moving forward. Mm, so with Neptune squaring the nodes in January, we are going to be asked to embrace our spiritual beliefs, um, but then that more challenging aspect with uh, the nodes, uh, could you could you clarify that a little bit for me? Yeah, it's a big one, right? <laughs> and so it, it <laughs> it's tied into our collective and individual journey from Sagittarius to Gemini. At this time, it's best for us to really focus on the qualities of Gemini that open mind. Mm. But with with Neptune coming into that conversation uh, through the through the square aspect. It's more of a challenging integration, and the squares are not always an easy integration of the energy. There needs to be adjustments made. And so uh, the mind and the heart, like it's not always easy for us to always be in both, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, but that's the invitation is to do the work, 
to do the effort, to make the effort to make sure that we are as much as possible centered in our heart when we communicate Pisces and Gemini. Okay, great. Thank you for that explanation. Okay. If we could then dial that in a little bit more, because I'm so, I just, I love examples. So I would imagine some people listening are wondering, what does it mean when the energies are more intense? Am I actually going to experience something? Is something going to happen to me? Am I going to do something beyond my willpower? What is an example of something or things that can happen around that time that's specific to this this form of energy? Mm. Gosh, well, the first thing I'm thinking about is, again, the connection between, between 2020 and 2021 and getting back to these, these systems of life, right? Uh, education, work, health, uh, government. And, and so we quash, we're questioning everything, you know, all of these systems and structures that, that govern our lives. And 2021 is going to be about um, embracing new ideas, embracing new ideas. Like I want to emphasize the fact that it's still the beginning phases of a lot of massive changes where we're not going to solve all of the problems of the world in one year, right? Mm -hmm. It's the beginning phase of that. And so we can take our time. Uh, in this whole process of like questioning, discussing like what we're doing today, for example, really doing that and, uh, and listening to each other, you know, really listening more and more, getting back to Gemini and that communication uh, back and forth and the, the, the speaking and the listening, so important to emphasize both of those two parts in all of these systems and structures that govern our lives. Writing is also an element of Gemini. Is that right? Yeah, all forms of communication, writing too, and journaling. Oh my God, I'm journaling every day. I got so many pages and pages. You too, right? Yeah, well, I was thinking that this year, particularly, it seems like a good thing to do to grab that journal and really make a habit of releasing some of that fast mind out onto paper. One of the ways that I like to work with knowing what, knowing these dates and knowing that things are coming is just by journaling in the morning or in the evening or really whenever I feel like it and writing down the things that are coming to me. And specifically on these dates, I put a big red circle around it because it seems like those are more interesting and they can have me tuned into the bigger themes that are ruling the year for me. Uh, what are some of your personal practices when it comes to actually working with this information? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm a Taurus, right? And earth is dominant in my chart. Mm -hmm. And so even though, but I have these days, this year and last year and, and this coming year too, lots of Gemini coming into my life. So I'm becoming more and more Gemini and, and more and more plugged in to the communication platforms. I spend lots of time, uh, you know, on computers now, uh, and, uh, but I need to take a break. And so what I, what I need to do and what really works for me is going out for a walk in nature. That helps me to ground again, mm -hmm. which by the way, is a really, really important theme for 2021 is grounding because I mentioned Aquarius squaring Taurus. I didn't speak about Taurus that much yet. So mm -hmm. grounding is going to be hugely important. Grounding the energy, going out for walks and hugging trees is going to be more important than ever before 
because, you know, I, I think it's so perfect. We need to get back into our bodies again and integrate all this learning and soothe our bodies. Our bodies and our nervous systems are really quite agitated, right, at this time. So going into nature, you know, having your pets around, getting back to basics and to the body mechanics and to appreciating the peace of the world and the peace of nature is going to be, for me personally, it's huge. And I think for the whole world, that's a really, really important message. I have one last message. Great. Yeah, about the the uh, the interplay, the dance between Aquarius and Taurus in this square that's ongoing for 2021. You know, you, you got this this outer energy, this this expansive energy of Aquarius, which is very mind centered and really into outer space. <laughs> you know, it's really this spaciousness more and more, and Taurus is the grounding, is is into the nature and. Just last night, very late at last night, I saw this image and one of the astrologers on the show I was watching uh, inspired me. And um, I'm seeing this circle because Aquarius is community. So here's a nice visual to kind of wrap up the energies of, of this talk. This circle of trees, okay? Mm -hmm. And feeling that that grounded energy, that, that beautiful earthy quality of the trees, and you know, as as and trees are connected to also to breathing the oxygen right back into us, into the world. So this idea of the trees and us breathing together, and we're looking at the stars above us, and we're just breathing in the wisdom of the stars down through the trees, through the planet, into our bodies. And uh, that's just a beautiful, lovely picture that I had last night. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty much what I had to share with you today. Well, thank you so much. I found this incredibly helpful as I'm planning out my next year. Not too much planning. As you know, <laughs> one thing that we've learned from 2020 is to be flexible. But in just wanting to make this next year for myself and hopefully for any of you listening as intentional as possible and getting all of those desired feelings that we want out of the year rather than perhaps tangible results, because those are a bit tricky in these times of, of structure change. I think that this was great. And I can't wait to have you on again uh, for the next quarter to talk more specifically about things that we're going to be focusing on in the shorter term. I am so looking forward to it. Thank you very much. This has been really awesome for me as well. Where can people find you, get some cosmic coaching from you, sign up for your membership, take courses? Where can they do that? That you can uh, find that all on my website, richardmallettastrology.com. And uh, yes, I teach workshops, I teach courses. And now it's, it's happening on Zoom and I'm actually teaching a new level one course, an eight-week course on Zoom starting in January. And that I'm going to be putting the details on my website really, really soon. But you can read a, des a description of what the courses are like uh, under courses section on my website. And I have lots of different service options and readings and coaching as well. And uh, so, yeah, a good place to go to. And uh, you can sign up for my newsletter, sign up to become a member on Patreon, where I give very, some ex exclusive insights, more kind of like detailed monthly uh, analysis of what's going on for the month as well. And uh, I call those uh, uh, cosmic currents. And I also will write articles twice a month. They're called Star Notes. And they're also there on the website and you can receive them too. I'm one of Richard's biggest fans and <laughs> I've taken 
pretty much everything and have signed up for almost everything that you you have offered so far. And I can't wait for a level three if that ever happens, crossing my fingers. But what I can say in doing all of that is that he is a great community of people. Every class that I've been through, whether it was Zoom or in person, has been really expansive for me. And I have just grown leaps and bounds in just knowing this information. Now, what you do with that information is a different story, right? Integrating it, learning the the lessons that we talk about on the rest of the podcast and how to integrate some of those more negative patterns and transmuting them and transforming them into gifts. But knowing that there is just stuff happening in, in the stratosphere that is going to impact you and just being ready for it is so helpful. It almost seems sneaky, like it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, every now and then I come back to a place of gratitude for astrology, like you're saying. It, it really is a valuable gift. And I come to that appreciation. It's a gift from the universe to help us. <laughs> you know, we're not alone here trying to figure this out, right? We have this gift of the stars. And always guide us, uh, you know, on the journey of life, right? And I'll share one last image again. Maybe it's because I'm a Taurus that I, I see this, but astrology is in our nature. And I say that because when you, for example, imagine you're in the forest, you know, and uh, it's nightfall. And what you what do you see around you? You see the trees, you see the, the earth, and you see the stars, there, it's in our picture, it's in our, our world view, it's in our reality, it's in our bones, it's in our DNA. So I just love that. We are really, really connected to the cosmos in ways that uh, we can't even imagine. It's just, uh, and I just love that, this connection between us and the stars. It's beautiful and it can't be ignored. Thank you so much, Richard. We'll connect again soon. Wonderful. Looking forward to it. <laughs>